It's time again for the Mortgage Minute with Doug Krause, brought to you by Financial Residency. Doug has been a mortgage lender for over 20 years and specializes in physician loans. He is with BMO Bank and wrote a book called The Hippocratic House to educate physicians on home loans. You can request your free copy at DougKrause.com. You can call or text Doug anytime at 816-728-3631 or email him at doug.kraus at bmo.com. Now, get ready for today's episode of the Mortgage Minute. Welcome back to the Mortgage Minute. I'm your host, Doug Kraus. This week, I want to talk a little bit about the seven parts of a mortgage payment. And actually, part of these are not part of your mortgage payment, but I still are offering a referred to as such. So basically you hear a term often PITI, which stands for principal interest taxes and insurance. Principal is pretty self-explanatory. It's the amount of money you borrowed to buy a house that you financed that you're going to pay off over time. Interest is the sum you're paying back to the lender for the use of those funds. So all mortgages that you're going to see nowadays are simple interest, meaning you borrow $500,000 and pay it off over the course of 30 years, then you're going to pay interest based on the amount you owe. But two years in, if you make a $100,000 principal reduction payment, simple interest simply means that all the interest that would have been associated with that $100,000 lump sum just goes away. So in effect, you make a 30-year mortgage shorter than 30 years. If you make a lump sum payment, you're going to continue to make the same payment after you've made that lump sum payment, unless you recast your loan. And then having paid off that principal balance, not only do all the payments associated with it go away, so do all the interest portion of those payments as well. Escrow, this one's a big one. And I actually deal with a lot of California buyers or borrowers rather. So different terminology for different parts of the country. A lot of the West Coast considers escrow when you show up to sign and close on a property. Most of the country considers escrow whatever you set aside a reserve account with your lender for the taxes and insurance. So if your taxes were 12000 a year and your insurance is 3000 a year, then your escrow payment would be the 12000 divided by 12, so a thousand dollars a month for that, and then the three thousand divided by 12 being another 250 a month. So that makes then your escrow payment $1,250 a month. That's in addition to your principal and interest making up your PITI, which is again principal, interest, taxes, and insurance. So the escrow becomes um, another subject at closing. People often wonder why. They're putting money in an escrow account, especially for insurance to start it off with. And the reason for that is the lender is essentially starting you off with, I like to refer to it as a forced savings account. And in that forced savings account, generally speaking, the idea is to have two months cushion. So over time, over the next 12 months, you pay one twelfth of the annual bill. When the bills come due, they go to the lender and then we pay out the taxes and insurance. If we start off with a two month cushion, collect 11 or 12 months worth of payments, by the time the payment is due again, then we should have 
13 or 14 months worth accumulated, pay out a 12 month annual bill, and then you're back down to the one or two month cushioning and the whole cycle starts over. So another question again comes up, well, if I'm paying homeowner's insurance at the closing table and paying a whole year, then why am I also escrowing? Again, let's say you pay your rent and then next month you're obviously it's coming back due again. Your homeowner's insurance, like car insurance, you're paying it in advance. Most people do. Some people pay monthly, but say six months or a year at a time, most homeowner's insurance is required to pay a year in advance. And then the reason you're putting two more months in reserves is again, add to that one twelfth monthly, accumulate over the course of 12 months. The lender at the end of the year has 14 months accumulated. The next time insurance is due, that bill goes to the lender and it comes out of your escrow account. Taxes work exactly the same way with the exception of certain states, you actually have to prepay taxes where they actually pay in advance and that becomes cumbersome when you're a buyer and you're starting off with six months taxes Just certain states collect up front. Most collect in arrears, meaning you only need the one or two month cushion and then by the time the bill comes due, we accumulated and have again that 14 or eight months, depending on if you're paying once or twice a year. A few areas actually pay even four times a year, but as a rule, you're again paying out a whole year in advance, or I'm sorry, a whole year in arrears by the lender after they've accumulated it throughout, selecting 12 months worth of payments and starting off with the two month cushion hopefully have 14 months worth, pay out the bill, and then down to a two-month cushion, the cycle starts over. So the reason lenders hold those cushions are over time, you can expect your taxes and your insurance to go up. And what you don't want to happen is the tax bill comes due and the lender's holding a sure amount. They're going to pay it regardless because you know they want the taxes paid because that could become a lien on the property. But in the process of paying out taxes or insurance that they didn't actually have the money for, they have to come back and raise your payment. So moving forward, they're collecting enough for the next time it's going to be due. But they also then raise it that much more to collect up what they were short. So take an example of, let's say your escrow account was $1,000 a month and the bill comes due at the end of the year and it's $12,000 and the lender only has $10,000. They're gonna pay out 12. They're gonna then assume that you're $2,000 short, or in this case, probably $4,000 short because they should have had a $2,000 cushion besides. Now they're gonna take that $4,000 they're short and divide that by 12 and add that to your payment just for a 12 month period to become holes to make your escrow back with the correct amount in it a year later. In addition to also, obviously if you had 10,000 and you needed 12, that means your taxes went up. Then let's say your taxes went up $2,000 a year. They're going to have to raise, you know, 2000 divided by 12, your payment that much as well. So it almost feels like, you know, a double-edged sword when you come up short, not only are they raising it up to the new amount that's due, they're also raising it up enough to pay themselves back unless they give you the option of just writing a check, you know, right when the insurance is due to say, hey, we're short 
$4,000, the two that we need to pay the bill and the other two we wanted to have as a cushion, either write us a check for 4000 or we're going to do it and then tack it onto your payment for the next year. Beyond that, mortgage insurance, and hopefully if you're listening to this podcast, you're not talking to a lender out there that's offering mortgage insurance, but PMI, another term for it, private mortgage insurance, that too is normally part of your payment, not really reflected in the term PITI, but is part of your mortgage payment if you do have mortgage insurance. And again, hopefully as a physician family listener, you're not looking at any mortgages that have PMI. And lastly is the homeowners association, sometimes referred to as HOA or condo fees. Both of those are generally something that you're going to pay on your own on a monthly or quarterly basis. Lenders still going to use those in calculations for your debt to income ratio to make sure you qualify as though they're part of your mortgage payment, but they will not be. You generally have to make a seller whole for HOA fees they've already paid on your behalf, same as condo fees. So let's say you buy a house on March 1st, the seller may have already paid HOA fees for the month of March, or they may have paid them for say Q1. And if they have, and you close March 1st, you're going to actually owe the seller for 30 days of HOA fees that they've already prepaid. So depends on what day of the month or what month of the year, I should say that you're closing, you very well could owe the seller for a portion of those. Just the opposite of that taxes generally are collected at the end of the year. Again, certain states, Pennsylvania being one that just comes to top of mind, pay in advance. But let's say you close November 1st, the tax bill is going to come due for the year. At the end of the year, you're going to owe the whole 12 months worth of taxes. So the seller is going to credit you at closing January 1 through November 1st for their share of that tax bill. Normally, when I give out a loan estimate, we're going to show it to make things easy. You know, show one or two months taxes and insurance in your escrow account. In reality, when you get to closing, that number might be 10 months in this instance, or even 12, but then you'll see a seller credit to offset the difference to where it nets out to two. And that's the reason the loan estimate typically comes showing you, trying to make the numbers accurate for you, one to two months at closing again, you might see a 10 month number going into your escrow account, but an eight month adjustment with the seller paying towards your cash to close as an offset for their share of the bill. So that kind of helps better explain why the numbers differ at closing versus loan estimate, but the net bottom line works out to be the same. So anyway, I hope that helps and I will catch you next time. Thanks again for listening to the Mortgage Minute. Quick reminder, if anybody's interested, dougkraus.com or hippocratichouse.com. Wife and I wrote a free book and it's a couple hundred pages, covers many details about buying a home anywhere from credit history to picking the right agent to explaining some of the stuff I just did today, as well as all the different mortgage terms, closing disclosures, you name it. So pretty comprehensive, not a very riveting read, but it's you know, gotten some great feedback that a lot of doctors like it after they've read through it, if they've never owned a home, it's kind of a useful tool that you can just uh, breeze through a chapter or two. 
a night and, you know, in a couple of weeks, you'll be through the buck and hopefully again, you've learned something and catch you next time. Thanks.